Welcome to Today on Broadway for Wednesday, July 3rd, 2019. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. Ashley, how nervous were you during the U.S. Women's National Team game today? I was very nervous, but thankfully I had the power of two beers behind me to be <laughs> less nervous. All right, and the help of VAR <laughs> calling back a goal from the English team. Yes. That VAR always helps. That was so long. Until they showed Megan Rapinoe on the sideline, I uh, was convinced something. I I had all these kinds of conspiracy theories going on in my head. I know. Maybe the big orange monster did something. Uh, I don't know. (laughs) Especially after reading Sue Bird's uh, piece earlier in the day. But either way, the U.S. Women's National Team are on to the Women's World Cup Finals. Uh, this Sunday against either Yay. Sweden or the Netherlands. Those two teams will play on Wednesday today. So, uh, USA, USA. Anyway, um, <laughs> so that's a good story. That's a fun story, an exciting story, Ashley. This first thing in the news today, yeah. not so much. Uh, and it also yeah. ironically involves England. Um, but mm. earlier this spring, we talked about the season that was announced for London's Young Vic Theatre, which is led by artistic director Kwame Kwai Arma. Included in the season was a show to be called, it was called Tree, and it's actually getting a festival run uh, right now before it comes to the old, or to the Young Vic. Um, that show, when we read that initial press release and the season announcement, had the show being created and written by artistic director Koi Arma and actor Idris Elba, big star, maybe the next James Bond, uh, you know, pretty big British star. But in a post on the website Medium today, Sarah Henley and Tori Allen Martin claimed that they were the original creators and developers of the show. In the post, the pair accuses Kwai Arma of co-opting their work, which they spent years developing alongside Elba. They allege that their original contract has not been honored, and that Kwai Arma lifted and distorted their ideas for his own synopsis of the show, after which he and Elba became credited as the creators, and they were dismissed from the project. Henley and Alan Martin took their complaints to a lawyer, or I guess it's in London, so I guess it would be a solicitor. Um, but they were told that to bring suit would cost about £20,000, so they chose not to pursue it in that route. They claimed the experience was damaging to them both professionally and in terms of their mental health. Um, they've actually set up a new organization called Burn Bright, which is an organization that supports female artists um, and also looks to, uh, to fund... Uh, legal fees if they if they need it as well. But today, later in the day, on Twitter, Kwai Arma responded via Twitter saying that he feels sympathy for the pair's situation, but firmly refutes the characterization of events, claiming the intention was never to produce the work as originally conceived, but for them, meaning uh, Henley and Alan Martin, to rework it with him being like a mentor for the project. Kwe Armand then goes on to say that he was willing to meet the pair for creative development sessions, but that when they refused to meet following his drawing up of a rough outline, he had to write something himself in order to meet the deadlines for a planned workshop. The Young Vic and the festival that's producing the show currently released statements supporting Kwai Arma's version of events and noting that both Henley and Alan Martin are acknowledged in the program for the show. For his part, Elba tweeted a message of support for Kwai Arma as well. Now, Ashley, obviously, we don't know how all of this actually went down. Uh, we don't know who's at fault or if it's somewhere in the middle. It, you know, both sides of the story have parts of truth in it. That's usually how these things work. 
But here's a note for young artists out there, especially creators. If you're going to develop a show with somebody else, especially someone who has the support of a larger institution, get an agreement in writing beforehand or quickly into the process. Because while these things um, are never, you never think that something like this is going to happen. These types of things happen a lot, and especially with female creators, which obviously uh, Henley and Alan Martin are both women. Um, So we don't know enough at this point. This is just kind of going back and forth with statements at this point. Um, So I'm not going to take sides on this one, but just artists, writers, creators – Get something written down. It doesn't t- It doesn't cost a lot of money to just have uh, a lawyer, an entertainment lawyer, look over something and say, yeah, that'll work, and and then get, get it down in writing. Yeah, I mean, so many of these things, especially as a journalist and as a freelancer, even like a bare bones kind of email contract will do wonders for, you know, not signing your, away your rights for the rest of your life for a story. Uh For this case, a lot of the facts are so clearly painted out to me. It's really disappointing and insulting to me from a production like Tree and from Cuerma and from Idris Elba, especially because this happens in television and film so often. All the time. Yeah, with writers getting lost in the early draft stages, never to be credited again. If Henley and Alan Martin are the ones who workshop these ideas that Cuerma is so insistent on saying that they had to be changed and... Cuerma said something along the lines of, with my producing hat on, the script you workshopped was not a project I would be interested in producing, which is such an unnecessary low blow in all of this. His statement was just really patronizing to me. It didn't explain why Henley and Alan Martin, who had been a pertinent part of the process since day one, haven't been credited in any form, even in pre-publicity. The fact that it will take them 20,000 pounds to seek out legal fees to get their name on their own work is aggravating but typical. And those are just like the starting legal fees. The only good outcome that's come out of this currently is burn bright, which sounds amazing. But yeah, I mean, I'm as a female creator, uh, I'm kind of staying on their side. I hope, sure. just kind of hope the arts. I hope the Arts Council of England and the Writers Guild are able to step in in any way. Well, and what's so interesting about this is that there is such a difference between who owns a work for theater writers as opposed to TV yes. and film writers, and that's why mm-hmm. you often hear about you know TV and film writers are paid a lot. Uh, but basically, they sign over the rights to their work in doing so. Theater theater writers still own their works. That's why we can have theater writers' estates having says mm-hmm. in, in in productions years and decades Forever. after those writers have passed away is because they still yeah. retain the rights to their work. And so, like you said, you hear about this stuff in TV and film all the time because if, especially, especially in TV when – very few shows have sole writers. They have writer rooms. So you might contribute an idea that becomes huge and you might not keep your job. Um, But it's very unusual to hear something like this in theater, uh, especially when you're working with an organization as respected as the Young Vic and as somebody as high profile as Idris Elba. Um, You would think that they would Mm -hmm. want to avoid any of these issues. But again, it seems like... I mean, I'm generally always going to take the side of the creator versus the organization in this thing. So it seems like we know what's going on, but all we really have is a medium post and some tweets at this point. So I I hope that 
we can figure out whatever it is. And if they do deserve to be credited financially, that they will be. Agreed. So actually, we had a number of shows release news about potential paths to Broadway yesterday. And we're going to start with one that mm-hmm. one day after we heard about a Neil Diamond musical attempting to make its way to Broadway. On Tuesday, we learned that producers are working on bringing a musical based on the life of of Liberace to Broadway. The musical would be based on the award-winning HBO film Behind the Candle Abra, which starred Michael Douglas as Liberace and Matt Damon and his lover Scott Thorson. However, this seems to be a bit further down the road than the Neil Diamond show was, uh, as the rights for Behind the Candelabra were just secured and nothing has actually been written yet. However, according to Roger Friedman at Showbiz 411, the producers would like Bradley Cooper to star in the show and for Christopher Ashley to direct <laughs> and for it to star at the La Jolla Playhouse, or start at the La Jolla Playhouse before coming to Broadway. No word on exactly who would write it. Um, Showbiz 411's article seemed to say that there would be original songs, although, uh, okay, whatever. Um, but, um, you know, actually, this gets back to that argument we we had, not argument, but discussion point we had surrounding straight actors playing gay roles. And this is probably even worse, yeah. I would think, um, than something like The Prom, because this would be a straight actor if if Bradley Cooper, I'm, and I'm, I don't even know if Bradley Cooper has been actually approached, but that he was mentioned in the article, but sure. playing a real life gay celebrity and one that was notoriously flamboyant. And even though he tried to stay as closeted as possible for much of his career, I i mean, I don't mm-hmm. think anybody really ever doubted um, <laughs> no, that. But uh, it's just another one of these things where uh, I don't think a decade ago this ever would have really been a question for the most of the world. But now it is definitely going to continue to be something that's talked about when we're casting these types of shows and films and TV shows. Yeah, I mean, you know what I'm going to say as far as casting. <laughs> I would yeah. love to see a Liberace musical. And, you know, I liked Behind the Candelabra mostly, though I was just as critical about that casting. I know a lot of people re- will react as, well, they're actors, they're acting, they shouldn't have to be, whatever. My point is the same just as it was for James Gordon in The Prom, as you said, that no matter how flamboyant you can act, it's still just a costume and it feels like a mockery to me personally. The fact that I'm making this argument so close to the last time I had this argument kind of feels like it proves my point of queer people not being considered for queer roles, especially if there's someone with as big of a name as Bradley Cooper waiting in the wings. Yeah, and again, we don't know if Cooper has any interest in doing this. He is a Broadway alum, um, so I'm sure with his success, it would be a lot of producers would like to have him in a musical since he proved he can sing a little bit in A Star is Born. But Yeah, exactly. Um, Anyway, okay, let's move on to another show that's aiming for Broadway. Ashley, earlier this week, a star-studded group of Broadway favorites led a reading for the Elton John, Shana Taub, and Paul Rudnick musical adaptation of the 2003 novel and 2006 film The Devil Wears Prada. The cast included Emily Skinner as Miranda Priestley, Christina Alabato as Andy, Helena York as Emily, Mario Cantone as Nigel, Itai Benson as Nate, Joe Lampert as Lily, and Nicholas Christopher as Christian. Also in the company was Brittany Coleman, Molly Hager, Nika Graf-Lanzaroni, and more. Actually, I've heard some from some folks who were there that the score has some good songs in it, but as a whole, it still needs some work. Um, and obviously, these things generally go to an out-of-town track before they come to Broadway anyway, but... Sure. With those songwriters especially uh, on board, I, I 
would imagine they can probably get this stuff figured out, and especially if this was just a couple day reading. Yeah. Um, you know, it's probably still early on in the process. But Ashley, you might be mad at me yeah. for this. I've never seen this film, um, but I know quite a <gasps> bit about it from stuff. But how would you think this cast lines up with what you would think based off the movie? Matt, you've never seen the Devil Wears Prada? I'm sorry. Oh, my God. I love, love, love the Devil Wears Prada. It's one of those films I can probably watch every week and not get bored of. A lot of that having to do with Meryl Streep's, Meryl Streep's performance. I've been really excited for this to come to fruition. I love the casting of uh, Alabado and Helene York, especially. Emily Skinner isn't exactly the Miranda Priestly I have in my dream cast, but I think she'll have a great take on it. I'm definitely getting more excited about this, especially having Shayna Taub on Broadway. You know, as you said, it's still early, so I'm sure they'll get those kinks worked out. And I'm not saying anything here, Ashley, but I don't think that Uh-oh. Emily Skinner, as great as she is, is necessarily the, the Miranda Priestly mm-hmm. that the producers have in mind either. So oh, yeah. I would not be shocked if maybe um, she was just standing in for these workshops because uh, somebody who might potentially be attached to the project was busy doing another show, perhaps on Broadway right now. So mm-hmm. I'm just saying. Ah, just saying. Anyway, yeah. All right. Moving on. Um, <laughs> I think that it is probably just a matter of time before The Devil Wears Prada comes to Broadway. Um, but yesterday, we also got word about another show that wants to come to the main stem, but one that I have much less confidence in actually getting there, uh, because it was just announced uh, it's casting for its third production, one off-Broadway and two regionally. This will be the second one regionally. And this is the musical Cagney, based on the life of James Cagney. The show stars and was co-written by Robert Creighton, who is currently in Frozen on Broadway. Uh, and he actually won a Fred Astaire Award a few years ago during the show's off-Broadway run. The show will now make the trip to Salt Lake City for a short run from September 20th through October 5th. Joining Creighton in Salt Lake City will be Karen Baker, Haley Podshoon, Clara Cox, and more. Love those people. Love Haley Podshoon. I really struggle to see this making it on Broadway, mm-hmm. especially after it's had three runs uh, before it gets there. But anyway, mm-hmm. uh, over the weekend, the King of New York, Kara Lindsay, exited her third run in Beautiful, going on maternity leave for her first child with husband Kevin Massey. She said on an Instagram post that she hopes to be back playing Cynthia Weil in February. However, at least for now, she's being replaced by another regular Weil interpreter, Jessica Keenan Wynn, who steps back into the role on Broadway for the fifth time. These two have pretty much held down that role literally almost the entire time over the past four years. I'm personally a fan of both, so I'm always happy to see that they are both employed. Uh, and I actually saw Wynn in the show uh, opposite Melissa Benoist last summer. But I would love for both of them to maybe get some new projects because I think they're both extremely talented and uh, I'd love for them to get, you know, some of that recognition of doing new shows again. But uh, unrelated trivia for you, Ashley. Do you know? Do you know who Jessica Keenan Wynn, the mythic bitch in Heather's the Musical? Do you know who her great grandfather was? Oh, I do not. Her great grandfather was Ed Wynn. He was the voice of the Mad Hatter in Alice in Wonderland. He was the toy maker in Babes in Toyland. And he was Uncle Albert in the original Mary Poppins movie. So uh, there you go. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's some good trivia. Yeah. I'm no no Peter Felicia, but I'll give you some uh, 
I'll give you some trivia <laughs> from now and then, you know? But anyway, there we um, go. Ashley, we are all done with episodes of Today on Broadway. For this week, we will have a couple interviews in the podcast feed uh, the next few days. One will be diva Robbie, Robbie Rizal himself. Yay. The other um, will be something very different. I have interviewed magicians. I have interviewed um, illusionists before, but I've never interviewed Ooh. a psychic. I'm interviewing a psychic, Thomas John, um, who is bringing his show Dead Serious to New York City this summer. So we'll be talking about that one of these days. I'm not sure which day is going to be which one, but we will have both of those in the podcast feed Ooh. later this week. So it's is he going to tell you how soon you'll watch The Devil Wears Prada? Uh, probably um, he could guess that it'll be next to never. <laughs> I mean, I might wow. very well. Might. I just, you know, there's so much. I was just having this conversation with Jennifer McHugh today um, that there's just so much content. I can't. I had I had her make a list of things I need to catch up on because I just, I don't have time. Ooh. But Devil Wears Prada is probably not high on the list. Sorry, not sorry. Wow. Anyway, Sorry. thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW Matt. Ashley, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at No, This is Ashley. All right, everybody, have a safe and happy 4th of July weekend. Come back and check yes. out our special episodes over the next few days. And then Ashley and I will be back to talk to you next Monday, July 8th. Wear sunscreen. <laughs> <laughs>